Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. This WBEZ podcast is supported by the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Suicide is a topic that hides in the shadows. It's time we talk away the dark, learn how to spot the warning signs for suicide, and how you can have an open, caring, real conversation to help save lives. Visit the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention to watch the new short film and learn more at AFSP.org slash talkawaythedark. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset. Attempting to keep his grip on the Republican Party, former President Donald Trump delivered remarks to a room full of MAGA fanatics last weekend. I'm going to continue to fight right by your side. We will do what we've done right from the beginning, which is to win. It all went down at CPAC, or the Conservative Political Action Conference. After the speech, attendees took a straw poll. 68% said they wanted Trump to run again. And 55% named Trump as their preferred candidate for 2024. So what does that mean for the Republican Party and for Republican politics in Illinois? Here to answer those questions and more is Illinois Congressman Adam Kinzinger. He's a Republican who represents the state's 16th congressional district, covering 14 counties in northern Illinois. Representative Kinzinger, welcome to Reset. Hey, thanks. Good to be with you. First of all, your thoughts on CPAC. What are your takeaways? So CPAC is always a, you know, eclectic group with all these different interests, but this seemed to be different this year. It was more, instead of being aimed at, you know, I don't know, a little more of the fringes of the conservative movement or different ideas of the conservative movement, its focus was more like just a Donald Trump rally. So for me, you know, as a Republican, it was concerning to see the things I saw there, but I also look at it and go, I think that was the high watermark or the end of uh you know, Donald Trump's big, uh, I don't know, moment in the party. I think he'll only, you know, decline from here. Well, President Trump addressed the conference and he argued that he is still the heart of the Republican Party. And you, more than most Republicans, you've distanced yourself from Trumpism. Trump even called you out in his speech at CPAC. So what direction does the party need to go in nationally and in Illinois specifically? Well, I think, look, Trump is the heart of the party at the moment. But I think What's important to note is, you know, in these two parties, the Democrats and Republicans, they've had variations, differences, changes all over time, because you have two parties that represent, you know, 350 million people. And so I think it's going to be a bit of an open battle for the soul of the party. I don't think there's any reason to hide it or pretend like, you know, we're united, because we're not. It's very different visions. And uh, and going back to the roots of conservatism, that's what I think the national battle is. The Illinois battle Look, Illinois is the minor- no doubt the minority party in Illinois. I mean, the Republican Party is the minority in Illinois, and we have a choice. We can implement a purity test for whatever that means, and really that purity test is commitment to Donald Trump or not, or we can be the party that wins back the suburbs again. And you do it with ideas, you do it with compassion, and not with, uh, you know, canceling people that don't show sufficient loyalty to the man who became a Republican just a few years ago. Mm-hmm. So is the Republican Party headed for a split? No, I don't think so. And, you know, my belief is it's especially not headed for a split if they actually, if we actually have this discussion out in the open and we can go through that. If we pretend like we're unified, I think it will be headed for a split because people are just going to quit going. They're going to quit being Republicans, as we've seen 
kind of at record paces around the country. So, you know, I don't think we're there yet, but, uh, you know, come talk in a year or two years, and I think if the party does continue to go down the path of Trumpism, there may be a, there may be a need for something else. So sticking with that point, you know, how, how does the party reconcile those competing factions, Trumpism versus more moderate conservatives? How do you reconcile it is you have to be able to have these debates. I think we have to stop saying that somebody doesn't belong in the party, with the exception of, and this is where I will draw a red line, is white supremacists, you know, hardcore nationalists. They have no place in the Republican Party whatsoever, in my mind, and I don't think we should welcome them. But if somebody, you know, is is more of a Trump supporter than not, have that debate in the party. But I do think, again, we're doing a disservice if we just pretend like we're all unified in opposition to, you know, Joe Biden or something like that, or the Democrats, because opposition is one thing, but actually having something to focus on and hope and a vision and, and principles is extremely important for any party. But the reality now is that, you know, thanks to Trump, the party of conservative values has in many ways now become this party of misinformation. So how do you combat that? I think that's 100 percent true. And, uh, you know, I think the key to countering misinformation is to expose it. I came out talking about QAnon a year ago, and some folks said, oh, you know, you're just giving them attention. But I think even I was too late. I think you have to be clear in denouncing misinformation. I think every candidate for Congress particularly or the state house uh, running for office as a Republican needs to be asked the question, do you believe Joe Biden was elected on November 6th? And if they hedge in any way, people need to know that. Joe Biden was elected then. Seventy-two, you know, four million Trump voters weren't disenfranchised. They were just outnumbered. And so I think being clear about what that is uh, is important to countering misinformation. But we also have to all be responsible for the news we consume and actually fact-checking that uh, if we want to actually believe the right stuff and not just, you know, our own echo chambers. How much power does Trump still hold over the Republican Party? I mean, he's out here teasing a possible 2024 run for presidency. I certainly think he holds the most power over the Republican Party of anybody But I think that power is diminishing and will diminish. So, you know, there's kind of high moment when when the president was impeached, you know, there was a rally around the flag for him. His return to politics at CPAC, a lot of people watched to see what he'd say. But America, somebody once told me, is a country that doesn't solve problems. It just moves on from problems. It moves upwards. And uh, we're not a country that likes to dwell on the past, and especially when it's a you know, failed person that lost a presidential election, a loser like Donald Trump, I think eventually people are just going to want to go on to what's next because mm-hmm. losing is not really in anybody's interest or desire. Well, if he does run for, for president in, in 2024, Representative, do, do you think you'd run against him? Uh, for president, that's not my intention, certainly. Um, in the primary? I hope, my hope is that there are people that, that stand up that want to talk about truth and want to, uh, you know, counter conspiracies. And uh, I certainly hope that uh, that happens, because that's going to be the fight for our country's soul. But if everybody's competing in the Trump lane, you know, it'll be a party in trouble. Representative, you've said repeatedly that you're running for re-election to Congress and, and that you, you won't be running statewide for another office like governor or U.S. senator. Why run for re-election to the House? What's your end game? Right now, it's, you know, I don't know if there's an end game, and I know it's rare in politics because typically most politicians have this grand plan, by the way, that never works out for anybody. And what I've learned in my career is you do what the right thing is at the right moment and where you're needed. My intention is to run again, but I never make that decision until it's time to pull petitions because I think, 
you know, everybody, my district, whatever that district looks like, we don't know where they are now, what they're mm-hmm. going to look like because of redistricting. They deserve, you know, inward reflection to say, am I the best person for this? So my intention is to run again. I'd never rule out statewide, but that's certainly not what I'm pursuing. Uh, you know, right now my focus is after January 6th and what I saw happen, restoring the soul of the party, you know, that I started being interested in weirdly when I was six years old. And uh, I've been a Republican far longer than Donald Trump, and I intend to fix this party as best I can. So to be clear, so you're not going to run for governor or president, you don't think? No, that's not my intention, certainly. I never rule anything out because I never want to, you know, have see an opportunity and, and be called a liar, but that's definitely not what I'm planning. Why take the risk and speak your mind independently and, and not conform to the current Republican standard? Well, because sometimes fighting for something is worth it. And, and it's beyond even the party. It's, it's our political dynamics and our political discussion. You know, I, I see people all the time that'll say, boy, you know, Kinzinger, I like what he's saying, but then he voted a certain way. It's like, okay, yeah, issues are important. But what we need to do is get back to actually debating issues like adults, not seeing the other people as the enemy, and actually learning from each other. And to me, you know, if we can't get back to that as a country, as a student of history and a student of other countries, that's when democracies fail. And I think we're starting to get to the point where we have to do a massive course correction. We have to be willing to put our careers on the line to say the truth. Uh, Otherwise, our democracy is in real threat, and it might be sooner than some people even imagine. Some of your own family members have even openly criticized you for, for not towing that Trump line. Yeah, that's true. And, uh, you know, look, I, I have my immediate family, even if they disagree with me, they've been pretty good. But my brother, my dad's uh, cousins, you know, sent a, a letter that I didn't even release. She sent that so far and wide that it wasn't hard for somebody to track down, saying mm-hmm. I was in the devil's army for what I'm doing, for daring uh, to actually vote my conscience as the uh, Constitution requires. And you know what? That just really puts me at peace and makes me even double down that this is the right fight at the right moment. Now, the Illinois Republican Party has a new chairman, Springfield attorney Don Tracy, and former chairman of the Illinois Gaming Board. He's filling the remainder of Tim Schneider's term until next May. What did you make of that transition, and how do you think that Chairman Tracy is going to do in this new role? I think he'll do very well, um, given our challenges in the party. You know, it's out there, of course, the division, the Ventures that I've gotten for voting my conscience, and we know that, you know, if we want to be a competitive party, we, we certainly uh, want to bring the people that, you know, think like me, which are conservative, but want to preserve this, this country and this Constitution. And so he definitely has a tough challenge ahead of him, but he's very good at raising money, which is going to be important. He's talked about the, the need for unity, which is going to be important. So I think he'll do a great job given tough challenges, and I haven't chatted with him yet, but I, I look forward to doing that soon. What do you think about how unity can be achieved? Well, you know, I'm not sure that we can necessarily achieve unity really soon. Uh, I do think there is going to be an open kind of fight for the soul of the party and what that means. But I do think, you know, there are areas where we can, you know, and if there's bad policies we don't like, certainly we can be unified in that and, you know, some good policies going forward. But I personally believe that if the future not about people that support Donald Trump, but if the future is far-right nationalism and, you know, and Donald Trump, then I don't think it's going to be easy to achieve unity, at least in a party that has the ability to win the majority anywhere. I want to make sure that we spend a few minutes discussing COVID-19 relief. Mm-hmm. Why did you and no Republicans 
vote for the $1.9 trillion package? Yeah, it wasn't an easy vote, but look, the bottom line is we had an opportunity up until the summer. We've we'd been passing bipartisan bills. We've passed bills here in the last year, and there was hope that this would be bipartisan. And I will tell you, at least with me, nobody from the White House or the Democrats reached out to talk about what would need to change in this bill. And, you know, what we ended up seeing is a lot of money that went to schools, but not to open this year for next year. A lot of state and local government money, not based on what was actually needed, but just based on some number. And we see that a lot of these state and local governments, in fact, have higher revenues than we expected. So, look, I will support if there's a compromise that ends up coming through this uh, that, that I think is decent. It doesn't have to be perfect or great. I'll support it. But I also do think there is some real benefit in uh, all of us trying to work together, even if the vast majority of some of the Republicans have no intention of working with Joe Biden. There certainly are a number of us that would or do. Well, there's got to be something in there that you support. What's that? Oh, yeah. I mean, look, anytime you spend money, there's going to be stuff I support. I do think there needs to be money to state and local governments. You know, I do think there needs to be money for more research and for vaccination. And pretty much everything there needs to be some money for. The question is how much. And when you're just writing, you know, out a, a check basically for $1.9 trillion, you have to keep in mind if somehow we miraculously had a $50 billion surplus a year in the budget, which we won't, it's going to take 50 years to just pay this off. So, you know, that makes a difference. And so, you know, my hope is to be able to support if there is a compromise. But if not, you know, uh, the Biden administration made the decision to go forward without reaching bipartisan consensus, and that's their choice. And, uh, We'll see where that goes. What do you think of the the minimum wage increase to $15? Yeah, I don't like the idea of of jumping to $15 right away. I do think there needs to be an increase in minimum wage. So I would support a compromise on that. I think it's time. You know, we need to make sure that we're closing that wage gap. This is part of it, as well as giving better opportunity. But I think the timing on $15 at a moment when a lot of these small businesses are struggling was the wrong timing. But I I would certainly engage and support, uh, you know, a compromise way forward. So the bill's headed now to the Senate where changes are expected. So lay out first the key changes that Republicans are pushing for. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if there's a unified position around it, uh, what we're looking for. What I would look for is, you know, a much better way to determine how much money needs to go out to state and local governments, a way to get more of the money that's being uh, made available for schools, made available earlier, uh, only 9% of this goes to anything related to health care. I think that needs to be uh, higher. So I think those kinds of changes would be good. Of course, the minimum wage uh, is probably going to be stripped out in the Senate. So I-, I hope I have an opportunity to vote for a compromise bill, and we'll just have to see where this goes. Representative, you recently unveiled a bipartisan bill that would set up global cyber diplomacy rules. Tell us more about that. Yeah, look, the bottom line is we need to understand, you know, every country kind of runs on their own on, on cyber diplomacy and, and, and cyber rules generally. And I think we need to start to have the conversation around the world about what to do. And, uh, you know, it's really the Wild West on cyber. So the, this is a hope to begin to have that conversation to get people together, because uh, that really is the next both opportunity and the next, unfortunately, frontier in war and conflict. And so hopefully we can get to a better place. Your priorities moving forward? My priorities, number one, is, is jobs uh, for the district and getting this economy back and, and education. You know, we're going to have some challenges coming out of COVID and making sure everybody has that equal opportunity to education. Uh, a strong America, an America that most importantly can heal its political dialogue and uh, quit trying to destroy ourselves just for a temporary political gain. 
That's Illinois Republican Congressman Adam Kinzinger. Representative, thanks for your time today. You bet. Thank you. And that's today's Reset. Like in-depth conversations with your elected officials? National, state, and local leaders come on Reset all the time, and we never shy away from asking them tough questions. To hear more interviews like this, make sure you're subscribed and leave us a quick rating and a review because it really helps other people find us. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Thanks for listening. We'll meet again tomorrow. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.